We're living in a moment where the Black community is looking for more. It's more justice, more freedoms, more support, more love, more embrace, more creativity. We're just looking for more. And when you get to that point, there has to be someone that becomes a creator of the more. At a time where we're seeing so much strife, not just when it comes to black and white, but when it comes to black and black and black and brown and black and whatever. There's so much strife because we don't necessarily see what we want. We don't necessarily get what it is that we're asking for. We don't have much of the things that we need. So when you look at media, you look at entertainment, you look at creativity, there's a story that's being told to us about us and it's not coming from us the stories that come from us are looked at and we're like yeah but then there's another one that's given to us and it's like mm, not really unfortunately we roll with those things because that's what's there so when you give someone a platform and you say hey do what feels right do what you think is going to be best for you that's when you get somebody like can you love he made a film called Power to the People. The actual pronunciation in Swahili is Ngavu Pawatu. But when you get this film and the translation is Power to the People, my first thought is exactly where we typically go. Black Power, Black Panther Party, James Brown, Black and I'm Proud. It's a different mentality that's given to us because that's what we've been conditioned to understand comes with that phrase. We, we see that phrase and we hear that phrase and we think to ourselves immediately, this is about to be about an uprising from black people. What if power to the people meant something else? It does. And that's what we're gonna talk about in this interview. So as always, sit back and relax. Welcome to Swap Sessions with Kinyama. kid i was watching a lot of Shaw brothers films with my dad like so from i don't know if you remember old school chinese movies but like eight diagram profiter uh super ninjas uh master killers where all all the um wu-tang clan got their all their ad-libs from and so you know i just always loved to do like karate and kung fu and movies i always wanted to do like superhero stuff and then when i was uh i think it was like third grade my uh my teacher wanted us to say what we wanted to be. And I remember always saying that, you know, I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be an astronaut. I remember asking and wanting to be a firefighter. And then one day this girl was like, you know, you want to be all these things. Why don't you just act like it? And I was just like, that's actually not a bad idea. And it stuck with me my whole entire life. And so after I finished playing football in college and, you know, I made a little tryout for the league and I didn't really want to continue to keep beating my body up for, you know, what I considered pennies at the time. I decided to make a plunge into acting and um, it kind of spoke, it kind of called me in, in a way. I was dating someone who was a model and they asked me if I wanted to meet their agent and it worked out well. And then um, also, you know, I kind of had friends who were invested in the industry because 
you know, you kind of attract the energy that you want to be around. And, um, you know, I ended up kind of walking into a role, with, uh, not a role, but a, a gig doing Carrie Hilson's music video, one of her first, one of her first uh, albums, or first releases. And then from there, it was just kind of like online popcorn. We was just like, all right, we're just gonna keep doing it. And uh, I booked some stuff with Tyler Perry. I booked some stuff with uh, TBS and then I moved to LA. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do it right. I'm gonna learn from the best. I'm gonna work with the best. And no offense, I mean, everybody in Atlanta is amazing right now. Um, so that was, you know, a great starting point for me, but I really wanted to get, you know, some little solid like uh, training and, you know, cause I didn't really get a chance to go to a conservatory. But yeah, that's my start, brother. Yeah, and a lot of people, uh, I had this conversation a lot with people that are in Atlanta. Um, like, it's it's a great atmosphere to be in, but if you want to like really get in it, you got to go where it's at. And yeah. in LA, it's 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 where it's at. So I mean, you can you can do well here, but to compete, you gotta you gotta jump in the jungle. Essentially with, especially with learning, you know, one of the things I do encourage people to do, and this is why I created my film, is to be creative and to kind of be self-functioning and be self-inspiring. Because what the industry can do is it can manipulate you into thinking that you have to do a certain thing and only a certain thing. So, you know, it's, it's a give and take. You know, I think you can do that in other places, but I think you're right. You have to kind of be in the space where the experts are to become the expert. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sir. So when you when you make that move um, and things change, because they're going to change, um, when they change, how do you adjust? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Change always happens, but we don't know which direction the change is going to be in, right? So when I first was there, I, you know, I booked a soap opera, I booked a, a, another commercial, two commercials back to back, and then I booked um, a, a leading role on a series where I was in 13 episodes. Um, and, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, this thing is not as hard as it looks. <laughs> we're we're going to get our stride. And I remember to this day, I had a go see, which is with uh, John Papsandero, one of the um, top casting directors in the time. And um, my agent was like, yo, Keep it cool, but he loves you, loves your work. And um, I got into a car accident and um, I, I missed the appointment and that kind of rubbed him the wrong way. I think they didn't let him know exactly why, um, but it was the night before and I ended up like having like a scar on my head. And, you know, I was just like, you know, I don't really feel comfortable going in there right now with all that's going on. And, you know, my agent said he was gonna let her know but for whatever reason i think that would kind of led me into an interesting spiral and things started slowing down um and it was about a year and a half until i worked on black salt which was um you know another great film that i got to work on where i got to play a superhero and you know i think the problem or the uh the thing i learned the most and it's kind of what i'm learning now as i'm as i'm, I'm moving out of la and in different areas change is never necessarily easy but if you see it as a positive because it's the will of the creator and because ultimately if you have a strong sense of what your objectives are it may be as positive as anything it's just not perceived as such because it didn't feel good in the moment yeah we we don't like we don't like being disrupted so yeah we like our comfort zones don't we yeah comfort zones make you happy it, it's that, <laughs> exactly it's that disruption that it kind of throws you a little bit and you kind of figure you spend time trying to figure out why and you'll never have the answer to that 
so it's like when you stop asking that question and just move with it right and the thing that's fascinating about the why question and it's about something that happened already right nothing you can do about it nothing you can do about it yeah it's there so it's, as I said it's just you take it and you move and you try to make sure that you're adjusting to it learn something from it and right. then just keep going what can I do different what can I do better how can I improve what is today going to bring? Right. Because you can't do the, you know, well, why did this happen? And, right. You know, why not me? I'll tell you, that, that, as an actor, you get into a dark space, especially with social media. When you start to say, why not me? When you start to couldn't get into this space, especially shout out to Mental Awareness, Mental Health Awareness Month right, right now. It's very important for your mental health, right? To be cognizant of where you are in the present moment we can get into these spirals and not even know it. I even use like a subconscious spiral. Yeah. It's dangerous. It's yeah. dangerous. And what I love about what you're doing now, well, wait, before I get to that, how did you how did you go from acting, like acting modeling, into producing your own films, working on your own project? How did that happen? Well, it's like, uh, so I came up with martial arts. So one of the things my father used to always tell me is if you want to learn, teach. Right. If you really want to learn to be a great martial artist, teach others and you'll have to perform at a certain level and there'll be a reflection of you. And I just always wanted to learn how to. So I said this before and it kind of like it's a Jay-Z line. He said, I'm a hustler disguised as a rapper. I feel like I'm an activist disguised as an actor. Right. I think or I, I, I bring passion to this craft, not necessarily for an award. Not necessarily for a plaque or for views or even for a 10 picture deal with Paramount Studios. See, I just did that. Um, put that out there. Um, but <laughs> but I'm, I'm doing it for the platform. Because once I get the platform, then we're going to be able to do a lot more work. Then I can build black blocks and we can create communities and we can do the things that Poweronomics and and, and brother Dr. Ben Chavez is doing in with the NNPA, creating national press, right? And be transparent about the finances because we do have an issue with that with money. Shout out to my daughter in the background who wants to be heard. But- um, She said me too. <laughs> she said me too. The church say amen. Um, <laughs> so the production side of things allowed me to control or at least speed up the process of attaining that platform. Not to mention, I see, you know, the Easter Rays, the Lee Daniels, and of course the Tyler Perry's, you know, um, my brother Manny Haley, who is incredible right now. He's got like seven slate of the films that just came out between October of last year and still coming out. Um, amazing talented people who are producing, writing, directing, and doing their own things on simple things like iPhones. Obviously those guys aren't, but the idea is that talent is everything. Boy Vincent Powell, my sister Zoe Saldavi. So I think when it comes down to it, I'm seeing all these great minds and great people move in that direction. And I'm saying, why not me too? You know, and it's something that, you know, I get to inspire and create for someone else to say, why not me too? And the fact that I'm here in Baltimore right now, I think is also inspiring because there's so many beautiful black minds that could also see what I'm doing and see how simple it is. Shout out to TT the artist. She made Dark City the Beat, that, you know, that's on Netflix right now about the Baltimore dancing, Baltimore queening. So, you know, it's not, it's not gonna, it's not gonna, 
we're, we're, there's no cap on this thing. And I think the way that hip hop took off in the 80s and 90s, I think it's the way kind of like uh, content is going to come on. You know, with BDT Plus, there's a lot more opportunity for people of color to have their expression be seen. Um, obviously, you have all these um, social platforms like, you know, Facebook, YouTube, obviously Instagram. You're not going to be able to stop or condense it. What I hope and what I aspire to show as being a producer and controlling my own narrative is at least to control the narrative yeah. and be able to say, hey, we're not just shooting each other and we're not just getting shot by cops. We're actually powerful people. You can't just keep capitalizing on black trauma. And, you know, when it comes down to it, let's show ourselves in the most divine right and our regality. And that's the idea of Nguva Kawachu. Because for me, you know, we are, we are not from England. Shit, America is not even England, but we speak English, right? And all due respect to my language that I'm born with and everybody speaks, but you know, why not learn more? And so a language that's closest to our diaspora would be Swahili. And my name is Swahili. So selfishly, I said, you know what? Let's go ahead and make Swahili that people can recognize easier. Because when I introduce myself, I get looked at kind of funny. Especially if you've never known or seen the work that I've done. And like, where did you get that name from? And rightfully so. But, you know, I don't look at people funny when they say something like Alejandro, because it makes sense. So why do you look at someone who's of color or African descent weird and funny if he has an African name, even if he's licensed? Well, you know, it happens. So it's all about creating something that's special that you can do for yourself and for your other people and, you know, paying, paying things forward. And that's, it's, it's important because we don't have the, we do have, it's a lack of representation. So right. it's like when you, when you get into these areas. Or proportional representation, let's say that, because there's some good representation out there, but proportionate to what we need in our numbers, I think it's not, it's lacking. Yeah, it's lacking. Shout out to Charles King, Stay Macro, Stay Macro. Great representation, He they did Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, that's what I mean. it's, it's, it's like we, we're told our stories. Yes. And the stories that we're told about ourselves are washed. So you don't find out the truth in things. You don't understand why this person is not glorified. So you, you'll get like the, you know, big name wise Megger Evers, or you'll get like the Malcolm X's and like the Martin Luther Kings. And, you know, you'll right. get these people, but it's like the stories that are told to us about them Right. are the way that they want that person depicted to us. So right. you don't want to show, you know, there's this side of this person that wasn't necessarily agreed upon by the mass media. Right. And when you hear that, you stop it. And I talked to my friend about this recently, even just watching Roots up until that point, no one talked about the actual whipping that happened in slavery and the actual like separating of families. It was like slavery happened, the cotton industry, tobacco industry, and then there was reconstruction. It's like there's depth in there that no one wants to discuss because they don't want to bring out the ugly side. So when you start telling these narratives and they're coming from us and they're unfiltered, it makes the masses uncomfortable because now you have to face it. And then for us, it's like, Ironically, some of us get uncomfortable because that's not what we know. So again, it's that it's placing that change in there and saying, no, listen, this is what happened. This is the true narrative. And this is what we have to get into. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned 
uh, like whipping and tearing apart a family through construction period. And, you know, that I mean, AMC, uh, Amazon has a couple of series out right now. Um, you know, there's a couple of series. There's another series called Them. You're right. They've, they've done a, or there's been a great, I think, injustice done in your in your in your assessment in that we just see ultimately what the version of history that people want us to see but there's love stories in there right there's uh redemption stories in there there's heroic stories in there right there's stories of 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 justice of 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 people who were helping those who were the oppressors in their in their in their, in their enslavers who actually saved them from being shot, you know, jumping in front of bullets or, or, or applying sutras. You know, it's like either or with us. Either a criminal, drug dealer, some sort of uh, deviant of society, or you're someone who's oppressed and someone who's stepped on and someone who's suffered and someone who you feel sorry for. And I think there's a, Oh, 18 more sides <laughs> to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm tired of seeing those two over and over and over again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm saying 18 literally being sarcastic. It's like 18 fucking million. Pardon my French. You yeah. feel me? And, you know, like a story like a photograph comes to mind. It's a beautiful story. Nobody had to die. No one was selling drugs. No one had to create some sort of like, you know, you know change of my character life. They were just being themselves. Fell in love, were professionals, had family lives, worked out, didn't work out, then it worked out again. What a great love story. Why can't we have that one? Exactly. And that's why I think it's important when people like you take on, what's the word I want to use? You, you take on the job or the task of saying, let's change this. Let's change this view. Because again, when you when you change it and you say it's it's crazy because it's almost like you have to humanize black people. Right. And the fact that we have to do that just right. to be seen as something outside of those other right. depictions is again, it's like you're you're constantly fighting to change one view while just trying to tell a story. And, you know, I think it comes also a, a notion of maybe not trying to change a view, but also just showing it. Because one of the things that I learned is that, you know, you try to change someone, you actually change them for the worse. It's hard to, like, change someone, right, you know? But when you, when you say what you're saying, I think it, it resonates with me because you, this is a programming medium, right? What we're doing is creating content, it's an intellectual property last and transmit for hopefully eons right and that's something that eventually will seep into someone's young mind and they'll hear it and it's programmable right so it's all about programming providing the content and then that'll eventually allow them to make a sound decision and then another thing is you know it's hard for people to love us if we don't love ourselves so the humanizing thing is not just for other people not for other races other cultures it's for us. And I think that's the big key. We need to see how wonderful it is to live with each other again. 
how wonderful it is to have fun and and the, the idea of going to a water park and seeing nothing but your brothers and sisters and and again this isn't like a segregation it's an interaction it's an integration of love into a community that's the key i think and especially when it comes to programming when it comes to music when it comes to art when it comes to media when it comes to the news we have to start reprogramming love and wellness and enthusiasm for each other. And you're hitting this at a at a time where there's so much strife going on. Not even again, it's not like a black and white just strife. There's a strife even just within the black community. So when you when you get to this point and you say our community is going through so much. It's, what's the weight that you take on when doing this project now and saying, I'm gonna put this out because there needs to be some healing. Well, you know, with much responsibility, much is required. So the idea of it being weight is just more of like, you make a lot of money, you're doing well for yourself, you're gonna have more bills. It's just how it works, because you're gonna have the more experiences, you're gonna impact more people, you're gonna help people. So that's the natural progression of life. And we talked about it with change. For me, it's I think it's like, it's almost like in the being in the weight room, as I mentioned before, I'm a football player. So I like doing mental games, because it means I'm getting stronger. Right. So I, I encourage more weight and more, you know, um, challenges. I don't. I don't encourage hardships, right? But I encourage opportunities to grow, for sure. And um, and I encourage um, opportunities to to grow the numbers that are listening. And again, remember I mentioned before, it's about a platform. A platform is not only just to have something that I can speak on, but a large enough platform allows you to have a band, allows you to have backup dancers and singers and and and, and, a, and a whole tribe, right? Hell. Biggie Smalls came out there with, with its whole Brooklyn crew at Howard University. So the platform is really not so much about just you or me. It's about bringing up the whole ship, the rising tide that brings up the whole ship. So hell, let's do it. Let's keep up the, I'll take on the pressure. Let's do it. Yeah. And then like this project, Power to the People. Right. Um, say, can you say the Swahili names that way I don't, I don't, I don't want to mess this up. Of course, up. of course. So it's Nguvu. Kwawatu. Nguvu. Kwawatu. So when you, you again you say you're gonna take the Swahili, like you're gonna you're gonna accept this. And you you do this and again just when you conditioning, when you see the the name of the movie Powers of the People, your initial thought is that this is gonna be a story of struggle. And it's just how we've associated just that phrase. It's like, there's a struggle and then like, it's now a rebellion. Like that's just the mindset that we've been conditioned to think when it comes to power to the people is a rebellion. Mm -hmm. And just changing, addressing that in your film 
did you get kickback from your own community at all? Well, it's interesting you said that, and I appreciate you saying addressing. That was a nice catch, by the way. Um, clever. Um, the the <laughs> my brother. You, you learn. You learn as you go. Yeah, my brother. <laughs> we uh, so again, the con- con- the con- connotation is different. Remember, everything is like you know perception and programming. So the connotation of power to people, yes, it leads itself to the, the, the we receive it as um, rebellion and, um, you know, uh, almost like a coup. I think there is a sense of that. And I don't think it's going to push back, but I think the rebellion is in this sense, and this is why I, I wanted to articulate it in this way, especially as, as the film progressed, in, in a sense of, the rebellion is from a mindset. I don't believe we have a broken system. I believe we have broken people running the system. In fact, I believe that this is one of the, if not the greatest country in the world, it's just, it has poor leadership. And I believe that the mindset, the shifts from competition to collaboration is what this is about. That's the power to the people. I find that most people can't comprehend just working together for the greater good. It's, it. as long as you do, I'm just gonna do this for this part or do this for this side or do this for this purpose for these people, you're gonna fail. Like there will be achievements, but ultimately there's a failure. So when you say collaborate, it's just, we we live in that competition phase so much that we just, we think we're collaborating, but we're not. You can argue that's a huge issue with toxic masculinity, you know, and that's why it's an increase of femininity and this feminine movement. And I, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is ego driven. Um, but you know, we, we're tribal people. We need our tribe. You think about where we came from as a people, as a community, we are community driven people. We do. That's why they say it takes a village to raise a child. And, you know, perhaps that the idea of being nomadic and hunter like and being an individual competitive person, came from a different region of the world, who was just, you know, ultimately a, a lot fairer skinned, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only way. And it definitely doesn't necessarily mean that it's the way of people who are truly, you know, from a different, you know, mindset. So yeah, I think you, you know, to have those conversations is really important. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I wanted to create the panel. It's not just for the screening of the film, but the panel is again, a collaborative effort of great minds, of an attorney, of a, a Prince George County delegate, which is the richest black county in America, of, of Benjamin Chavez, who is Dr. Benjamin Chavez Jr., who is basically as iconic as any person in civil rights right now, 
Jeremy Meeks, who everybody knows is one of the most handsomest men on the planet, but who did a stretch and got this famous because of his wrongful conviction or his conviction in, an, in a very aggressive manner. And of course, you know, people like Claudia Jordan, who has the hearts and minds of people who can speak to it and bring people's attention. And so it's like, okay, now we have all these great minds and great thinkers. Let's see if we can get somebody to be inspired to think of stuff or to help those who are already doing it. That's another thing too. I don't necessarily need people to start their own organizations. We don't need to be just popping up with Bible Bowl and C3s everywhere. Let's support the ones that are already here. Right. Let's grow these banks, the black banks that are already here. Killer Mike has a blank bank. Let's support them. Let's, let's create investment funds that people have. And, and or let's, let's support the investment funds that people have, I should say. And, you know, therein lies this like, energetic collaborative shift or energetic shift for collaboration. Because man, you're right, a lot of people are afraid of it. A lot of people don't deny it, but a lot of people don't know. Again, it comes from that programming and that programming of toxic masculinity of the knight in the shining armor trying to save the queen, as opposed to, you know, the village elders having some sort of conversation about, you know, the, the youth going through his rite of passage. Like those are two different perspectives, right? completely. Yeah. And then you 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 take this you take this film you take this project and you say the focus of it is restorative justice and transformative justice. Yes, sir. For the average person, what's the difference in that between just saying justice? Yeah. So the film itself is an artistic expression of a monologue that was already written in it. It encompasses so many things that the restorative justice and the transformative justice piece is my way of driving a nail into it outside of just the film. So let me just preface by saying the film in itself is more about the collaborative piece, working together, uh, breaking down party lines, and you know, ultimately giving power to the people. My intention with the film is to drive awareness for restorative justice and transformative justice. Now to answer your question, Transformative justice and restorative justice is very important, especially for people of color, especially for black men and women, because it gives us an opportunity for a fair shake, bottom line. I am of the notion that desperate people will do desperate things. Moreover, it is very difficult for people who are living in environments where their rent is two thirds, if not four fifths of their actual, actual salary, or sorry, their salary is two thirds, if not four fifths of their salary. It gives them little opportunity to save for education, for a future, you know, hell, for even a, a, a rainy day fund, right? right. Um, if you look at most inner city communities or communities of color, black neighborhoods, African-American neighborhoods, you'll find three staples, a church, a funeral home, and liquor store, right? Across the board. You don't find food, you find food deserts and corner bodegas. You don't find banks, you find check cashing stores. And, you know, you don't really find car dealerships. You find used car lots and you find uh, you know, bus stops, you know, so I'm saying like, so you don't find paved roads, you find dilapidated buildings. So the point is, is that these are initiatives that can help restore and revitalize these communities. And that's on the socioeconomic stakes. Um, but when we start talking about justice, right, on the, on the penal system, on false allegations and false, um, you know, uh, proof and poisonous tree, illegal tapping, um, uh, illegal stopping and frisking, um, uh, you know, uh, false uh, accusations from false reports, false false um, witnesses. Also, diverting youth. So that we support programs that help move remove youth from 
going directly into prison systems and learning a trade and having a second chance at opportunities. Again, that's what people do desperate things. You know, it's about time that we make sense of all these wrongful convictions, of all these ex exaggerated sentences, of all of these uh, ridiculous BS uh, tax laws and, and, and allegations and litigations that are going against people's homes and liens to help move them from their apartments or their homes due to this uh, rapid resurgence of gentrification over the past 20 years. Um, it's about time to really address these things and to not necessarily throw a tantrum in the street and, you know, you know, vandalize a building, but in a, in a civil manner, in a way that allows us to reelect our congressmen and reelect our delegates, in a way that allows us to remove our, chief, our chiefs if it, or judges if we need to. Um, it allows us to create community funds and investment funds or organizations or invest in these organizations and allow them to do the work of revitalizing the building, not only the communities as far as the property, but the actual people. You see, you can't ignore, if we start talking about, again, mental wellness and mental health, trauma and PTSD. You and me as a black man, we drive down the street in a predominantly white neighborhood and the cop pulls off for us, guarantee you we're gonna sweat at least one time. We're gonna feel a little uncomfortable. I, I probably would play off my phone and start recording at this point, just to be safe. And not to mention that shit won't even save me. If it went right or left. And you doing that because you know in your heart that it's real. That's trauma. That's trauma. That's not okay. And granted, you know, there's trauma in various forms of people who were dodging, you know, terrorists and, and there are bombs being stuck on people right now in Gaza. I'm not saying one trauma is better than the other, but I'm saying let's not turn a blind eye to what we've been dealing with for almost 400 years and let's make some progressive incremental changes. Like I said, I'm a big fan of incremental change. I don't got to gain 20 pounds in a week as long as I gain two. Make those incremental changes and then we change the trajectory. That to me is very important and that's what restorative justice means. Nice, nice. And then you, you have your program Moments of Alignment. Um, yeah which is pretty much addressing that directly. Um, yeah. What, what made you say, I need to not just address this, but create something where it can help these other people because this is something that we're dealing with, known or unknown. Because I knew I had a system, I knew I had a method that people didn't know about. And that's martial arts. A lot of people don't know about martial arts. A lot of people do, but more people don't. Like you just say, I'm not sure what you, you know? Like no, most people just, look at martial, know, you know, karate kicking and punching, you know, like Bruce that's, Lee, that's, that's, you know, UFC. But martial arts is as diverse as the languages on this planet. That's how crazy it is. And one of the martial arts that I incorporated moments of alignment is called Qigong. And Qigong is essentially Chinese or uh, a Mandarin word for working with life's energy. So it literally trans translates into and allows you to eventually do three key elements, visualize, meditate, and circulate energy. Now, when you're meditating and visualizing and circulating energy, you're doing what? You're manifesting things. So ultimately this martial art form teaches you how to manifest. You literally manifest heat from your hands. My father, I've seen him move the freaking curtains with his cheek. And you're like, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> 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 I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
you gotta get, you gotta get in this cheek on, you gotta get this cheek on. It's good, it's good, it's good. So, <laughs> but you know, the thing is, is that, you know, we, we win from within. And a lot of people don't recognize that. They wanna uh, serve outside forces, you know, even in religion, you know, and I don't mean to be sacrilegious or blasphemous, but when we say thank you, Jesus, so much, we are putting our power in someone else's hands, even if it's the creator. Well, the creator is in you. In my opinion, the creator is in me. That's why I say God is omnipotent, omnipresent. So when we say thank you, Jesus, you might be looking in the mirror because you need to thank yourself for the effort you put in and be west requesting yourself to put in more in the same way that you request from the, the creator. Because it's you. It's his power within you. You are a creator. You are not the creator because you didn't create yourself. And you know, the person who created you didn't create themselves. So obviously there's a creator of all creation but you are a creator within creation who can create. Therefore, you were made in his image. So with that said, the idea is that there needs to be somewhere or some program or something that helps people understand that if they are truly aligned to their higher self, they are unstoppable. And that's really when it comes down to being collaborative. Because when you are aligned with your higher self, then you are basically serving in your purpose. And when you serve in your purpose, you provide value. And when you provide value, you become valuable. And then people want to give you resources so that they can provide you with more value so that you can provide more values. This life is an abundance. Think about your heart. Think about the synapses that fire in your brain. Think about how often your fingernails grow. Think about how often you can pluck an eyelash out of your eye. It grows back, it comes back, it's abundant. And I'm just talking about physical things, let alone like air or the waves that are in our environment. Think how many FM transmission waves there are. Are you kidding me? Different spectrums of light. Are you kidding me? This is an abundant space. There's no way or no shape or form that we should be going through lack and doubt. That is false programming, my brother. Even energy is abundant. The pyramid was a nuclear power plant that remitted high energy frequency waves to keep the people at peace. What if we had a see a trident or whatever, some sort of uh, mixed-use property in the hood that was emitting five high-energy frequency waves. That's one thing that I wanted to do. Why not keep people at peace, inspire love in the community? So the abundance concept is is just really passionate to me because you know, and it's never too late to change. It's never too late for people to find value in themselves, snap out of the you know depression. It takes one moment to make a break in a trajectory in any kind of market. Look at any kind of line graph. It takes one moment, just one. And then that one moment, you grow and you grow incrementally until you change the trajectory. And it's possible at any moment. Yeah. Uh, I tell people all the time, like if you, if we truly understood like the power that we had in ourselves, we'd be so much better. But it's Facts. it's we can say it. So you can you can have someone recites you forever, like I can do all things. Great. Right. Right. But do you believe it? Right. Because if you believed it, again, that doubt aspect, it wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. So it's just we we hear it, we say it, but we don't truly embrace it or believe it. So it's just you you start reciting back something that you don't believe. So can I say something to that real quick? Absolutely. So belief has a lie in it. B L I 
B-E-L-I-E-F. Every belief has a lie. What we know is what we do. That's what you're saying, in a way. And again, the words are important, but the thing is, is that you say certain things all the time. You say you don't believe it. Some people do believe it, but they just lie to themselves too, right? And the idea is that you're right because what you're saying is true. They don't believe it. I think the the essence of what you're saying is they don't believe it because they're not doing it. They're not putting any energy into it or they're not working towards it. They don't feel it. Especially with manifestation, it's about feeling, right? If you listen to any meditative specialist, they'll tell you to feel it in your heart first the, or the moment that you really want. Feel yourself in it. Feel yourself there. Feel the sensation. Feel it here. It's a heart-mind coherence, right? So even when I touch my heart, I feel, I feel good. So they tell you to touch your heart. That's why Buddhists do this and yogis do this, right? You've been in prayer, it's a lot, you do this. There's a reason for that, because you want to touch your heart, to feel it, feel your prayer. Yeah. That is an action of doing. When you do things, know, because you've done it. Yeah. You know the reward is coming, because you've done it. When you're in that gym for three hours a day, you know the body is coming. You don't believe it because you're eating protein chips. That's the difference. <laughs> no, I like I like your wording better than mine. So I'm, I'm gonna use that from now on. We're sharing, we're sharing, brother. We're sharing, we're sharing. <laughs> I love it. So again, just throw it out there. Ten projects with Paramount. Um, <laughs> I know it. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta say that thing. I know so it. You, you got these projects. Um, is this one of the ten, or is this outside of the ten? Yeah. Um, this project, Google Kowatu. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is outside of it. This is this is an, uh, a business card. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> digital business card <laughs> like just the, that's 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 insane i love it um respect the next 10 like if with this being the business card what do we expect from the next 10 projects because that means you have a lot to say and yeah not necessarily at this point anything else to prove but a lot to show and yeah. Yeah, i'm excited um you know a lot of what I, I will show is the the nuances of our culture in settings that we rarely see or we haven't appreciated um for example i told you i love chinese films and martial arts films I'm pitching a project right now um, that I call Brother Ninja. And I'm, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but whatever. Um, but think, <laughs> think Last Dragon meets the Equalizer set in The Wire. So a unique opportunity to showcase, you know, love, uh, redemption, and discipline. Um, I have concepts right now that surround prehistoric times. I have concepts around that surround uh, police officers in a comedy that are in uh, a halfway house trying to come back from being under undercover for so long. 
Um, I have concepts around, uh, again, I told you about the documentary to help improve our perspective on how we address our, our legacy. So I'm very diverse because I love all kinds of media. You know, I had an opportunity to live in so many different places. I lived in South Jamaica, Queens or Flushing, New York, either one, because I was in martial arts school or I was at my house. So I, I was pretty much in, like I saw my first murder when I was, you know, it was like nine. So my brother killed when he was 15. I, I, I've seen that. And then I lived in the suburbs and I was playing football with white kids with Confederate flags. And I'm watching Doug and, you know, you know, cartoons with my little brother and, and the babysitter, you know, babysitting, you know? So, like, I've experienced that. And then being in corporate America, I experienced that. I experienced, you know, bartending. I experienced playing football. I, you know, so these are things that all things that shape my creativity and shape the stories that I want to tell. I love sci-fi. I love, you know, action. I love drama and rom-coms, ironically enough. And I'll, I'll, I'll watch a rom-com with my girl all day because I enjoy the stories of love and, you know, people, um, and that's one thing that always drove me crazy. I'm like, why wow, these only like white girls who have these like love stories <laughs> like this? Like, you know that's, what I'm saying? No, that's, that's real. Yeah, so like, I wanna tell stories like that. Um, you know, there's nothing better than just seeing someone in their natural state. Yeah. You know, the problem is, is that we only are seeing one natural state for certain people and that just sucks. That's just a stereotype. Either that or is that just not enough people just telling the story and the people that are telling the story are just telling, what they, sort of telling the story that they think you want to see. Right. When, and that's not healthy. So you're going to see a lot of that diversity. Um, you know, I'm not going to say I'm a Jordan Peele where I'm only going to cast black actors, but I'm definitely going to have a black oriented or kind of a focus that resonates with all people, especially and particularly with ours, for sure. And, you know, I'm also an actor. So I'm going to be putting my work on the front of the camera as well as behind the camera. So I'm excited and I'm, you know, the best is yet to come. Yeah. I'm excited for you, man. This is, this is amazing. Appreciate um, you, G. Thank you. Like, I, I, this is what I'm here for. Like, um, <laughs> I, I love, I love us, one, having our own and being able to, have stories that we can look at and watch and get a different perspective of ourselves because mm -hmm. um, it's just it's important you can't right it's hard to be what you can't see it's a kaleidoscope with one setting what's the fun in that it's <laughs> the fun in that bro <laughs> anybody is wanting to watch this film it's going to be on watchmkw.com. It aired, the air date is May 25th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's Tuesday, May 25th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 6 p.m. Pacific. Um, I think we're competing with an NBA uh, playoff game, but hey, man, it's on your phone. You can watch both. You can multitask. It's all good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, it will it will be, it will be uh, doing a Q&A afterwards. Again, I mentioned Jody, Jeremy Meeks. I mentioned Claudia Jordan. Salima Hankins, Jazz Lewis, and Dr. Benjamin Chavez Jr. An amazing lineup. Learn a lot about restorative justice and transformative justice and ways you can help your community. Also, proceeds will be going to charity. So if you are able to support and watch this film, know that your money is going into a good cause. And then, um, you know, lastly, we're going to be part of the, the film circuit market. So if, a film festival circuit, I should say. So if you don't catch it now, um, you know, just keep an eye out for us on some of these film circuit, film festivals. Gosh. 
and I'm sure you'll be able to catch it on Amazon, putting it out there. I see you, Bezos. Check me out. Right. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs>